Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you've been around Oasis uh, for a, a few years, you'll know that in 2019 through to 2020, we started a series in the book of John. Now at this point, we're not now pressing play uh, to continue where we kind of stopped in March 2020, but rather we're gonna look at it through a lens of Jesus's invitation in John 10:10, where he says that he's come to bring life to you and to me, uh, whether we're in the room, whether we're online, whether we're watching at a different point, whether we know something of Jesus, when we think we know nothing of Jesus, that he's come in order that we could know life and life in full. And it's that that we want to look at because as we continue in the book of John, what we're going to discover is John begins to paint a picture of what that life in full looks like. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends, for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. good to be together as we get to explore this wonderful gospel, good news from John of the wonder of who Jesus is and the life in full that he offers. And just to say a huge thank you to Charlie, who's in the room at the front. Should we give her a round of applause? Thank you, Charlie, for reading. I always love it because I never know who's going to be reading scripture. So whenever I was speaking, I'm like, oh, wow, they're reading today. This is brilliant. And what I'm always shown is that everyone who reads, reads far in a better way than I. That doesn't make any grammatical sense, what I've just said. But you know, get a sense, don't you? That they, they read in a way that is better than I. Um, or better than me. One of those two, isn't it? Probably better than me. Um, we're up for a good start today, aren't we? Um, 
Let me tell you a story. That'll probably get me back on track. This passage probably has shaped me in one of the most profound ways as a follower of Jesus throughout my life. I remember kind of in my late teens, early 20s, as I was starting one of my new jobs uh, in the civil service. And I used to have a daily commute from the town that I lived in called Bedford to the great city of Luton. And um, in my train journey to Luton, I uh, used to do the Bible in a year. I used that journey to just say, actually, I want to read through the Bible. I'd never done it before. And so I got hold of this Bible in a year that gave me uh, a psalm, a proverb, and a bit of the Old Testament and New Testament to read. And I remember one of those moments in the carriage, I read John chapter 15. And as I read it, I got to that bit where Jesus says, like, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. And then it says this most profound thing. Jesus says, you are my friend. I remember as I read that, it, it's as though time just froze in the carriage. As suddenly I realized in the depth of my being that God wasn't just one to serve. God wasn't one who was unknowable, but God was saying to me that he was my friend. That I was friends with God. And it just profoundly changed me. It profoundly changed what I was involved in that was a relationship, not a ticket to the afterlife. I remember from that moment on of just continuously throughout my life coming back to this chapter and allowing it to just speak the wonder and depths of the relationship that I'm now caught up in with God. And my hope is that it's going to do the same for us today. Now, the challenge in that is that I won't do it justice. But I'm hoping to give us some things to go away with. You see, when you look at John chapter 15, the verses that Charlie read out to us, it can just seem pretty overwhelming of just different thoughts of John just kind of starting off in a visual image of a vine and then going through and Jesus kind of saying, well, now you're connected to me like this, remain in me. And then you've got this call to obedience, a call to love, a call to kind of joy, and then all these moments of peace. And you're like, well, what's going on here? Like, there's just so much going on. And I tend to think that John chapter 15 is like a dot-to-dot picture. I don't know if you ever did one of those when you were a kid. Maybe at the moment you're doing one. You're a kid in the room thinking, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm enjoying my dot-to-dot. And the thing with a dot-to-dot is you just follow the dots, and then as you do it, it reveals the wonder of an image that you can then see. And John chapter 15 does that. It kind of produces a connection of dots that when we join the dots, we begin to see the wonder of the relationship that you and I are now caught up in, in Jesus, when we put him at the center of our lives. And that's what I want us to look at today, is to highlight how we join the dots. And I'd encourage you, to be honest, that we'll need to kind of make some notes. Now, that's not because what I'm going to say is profound, but rather what I'm going to say, if you like, is like the heading of the dots. And I'm going to be encouraging you to then, this coming week, to be like looking at how can I see the wonder of what's being revealed through each of the dots that have been connected. And so I give you permission. Take out your phone and start to make your notes. Maybe right if you're old school like me, but... Feel free to make notes because I think it will do us good. You see, where I want to start off with, actually, though, is in verse 5 where Jesus says this. Jesus is the vine. 
It says, verse five, yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. So if you like, this becomes the first dot, the first kind of marker of what the kind of image we're going to get to see is and how it plays out is that Jesus is the vine and, and in that it's revealing the wonder of our connection to him. I'm saying that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches is that we're intricately connected to him. But also that as the vine, it's there like any vine is there to do. And that is it's there to produce fruit. It's there to produce grapes. Jesus wants us to understand like through this image of a plant, like who we are with him and what we're here to do. He says, yeah, intimately connected to me and we're here to produce fruit. But along with that moment of the illustration of vine pointing in terms of our connection to Jesus, it also reveals the wonder of who Jesus is. See, Jesus saying, I am the vine, isn't just him randomly thinking of a plant. I think, I wonder if I was to describe myself as a plant. I think I'm going to go for a vine. No, it was because it had this legacy of Old Testament imagery of the wonder of what the vine is. See, the vine spoke of the people of Israel. You see it in Psalm 80, verses 8 to 18. Again, this is why you're making notes. You're going to go away and think, Did he, does it actually say that there? Because we're not going to get to look at it. So you're going to go and check up. Is what Adrian's saying true? That's a good thing to check. You shouldn't ever trust what someone says just because they sit on a brown seat at the front of you. You should check it out. So Psalm 80, verses 8 to 18, describes how God rescued his people from Egypt and then says, and then planted them in his land like a vine. And then it describes how this vine of God's people was those that had his promises over them. And they were then to produce fruit, fruit, produce fruit by blessing all nations. But what we discover is that this vine of the people of Israel continuously lives disobediently, continuously lives and produces a fruit that isn't what God had designed them to produce. Rather than being a blessing to all people, that she just turned in on themselves or got corrupted by the nations around. Then find that God says in Isaiah 5 that actually this vine has produced grapes that are wild and not at all the fruit that I've been longing for. And so Jesus steps in and says, I'm the vine. I'm the fulfillment of the promise. What people were unable to do, I've come now to fulfill. That where this people were meant to be a vine that would produce fruit to be a blessing for all people, Jesus comes in and says, I am that vine to be a blessing for all people. All people that includes you and includes me. And that Jesus then draws us in to him as the vine and says, now you're branches of this promise and blessing in order that you too now would become part of this blessing for the nations. Like, how do we do that though? Well, Jesus kind of then says, well, how you live in the wonder of being connected to me like a vine is to branch, or branches are to vine of the wonder of who I am as the fulfillment of the vine is by remaining. 
Remaining, if you like, in this moment is what John is highlighting of what it looks like to know life in full with Jesus. In verse five, Jesus says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. The key to living in all that Jesus has afforded, in all that we're then called to do, is by remaining in him. And that sounds like simple, doesn't it? Okay, fine, we'll remain in him. But it's also slightly mystical. You're like, well, what does that look like? And that's what John then is using all these verses to kind of reveal the wonder of what Jesus says about it and why we need to join the dots. You see, what we discover through this is that remaining is about a reality we live from, a way we then live, and the fact we then get to live knowing things that happen as we live from that place and live in a way we then get to know and enjoy a way that our life is shaped and characterized by. So firstly then, we get to live from. And living from is all about identity. You see, we live within a day and age that says actually your identity is there to be found and how you find it is within you. If you search hard enough, you will be able to define who you are. You're able to define who you are by your achievements or by the way you kind of see that you're wired. That will show and give you a sense of identity, which will give you, I promise you, peace. The problem is it doesn't deliver. Like the more and more we curve in and try and find our identity in ourselves, we continuously find a lack of peace. As we continue to question, well, am I? Is this enough? Am I enough? Whereas the promise in remaining is that actually we're given an identity, an identity to live from, an identity identity that's all about friendship. So in verse 15, Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Can you see why I said you need to take notes? Like the bullet points, we're going to fire through at the moment because I haven't got enough time to linger on them. Therefore, as I said, it's like headlines in order that we can then go away and think, well, what, like, what is this then? So we live from a place of friendship, firstly. This for me is mind-blowing. As I said, remember that train journey to Luton at age 20? Like, mind-blowing. I'm not here for God's bidding. I'm here with God in friendship. One who is for me, one who's longing for me to know them as they know me. J.C. Ryle says this, there is nobody so rich, so strong, so independent, so well off, so thoroughly provided for as the person of whom Christ says, this is my friend. Do you feel the wealth of that friendship? That Jesus speaks over you, he speaks over me. You are my friend. And that friendship is based in love. See, we get to live not only from a place of friendship, but also love. Verse 9, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Now remain in my love. 
that friendship out of love then defines us, a a love that is eternal, unending, a love that has always existed between the Father and Son, we're now caught up in. A love that is not only unending, a love that is demonstrated through sacrifice. That Jesus says, like, greater love has no one than this, that he laid on his life for his friend, looking to the cross. In that any and every one of us, when we look to the cross, get to see the proclamation forever that you are my friend and I reveal my commitment to you through going to the cross in order that you can know wholeness. We get to live from a place of friendship. We get to live from a place of knowing that we're loved, loved eternally, loved sacrificially, one who gave all in order that we can gain all. We get to live from a place of being chosen. Verse 16, you didn't choose choose me, I chose you. It's profound. Like, I didn't do anything to earn this. I never will. And here's the truth, neither did you. And yet God chooses you. We get to live from a place of knowing that we're chosen of knowing that out of Jesus choosing us, he chooses us out of love for friendship. That's where we get to live from. And maybe you're here today saying, I I don't know. I don't know if this is what was on offer. I don't know if I know Jesus. Well, today he comes to you and says, I choose you. I choose you out of love to be my friend. Is that not good news? That's remaining. But it's a place that we live from and we're only first part, so let's go to the next. You know, can you see the dots? That was like a big head dot with some subheading dots that's starting to paint the picture. Let's get to the next dot. The way we live, which is purpose. Remaining is about the way we live. You see, it isn't just that we stop from that place of thinking, okay, man, I get to know and live from a place of friendship, love, knowing I'm chosen. That then shapes how we then live our lives. That we live obediently, in obedience, verse 10. When you obey my commandments, what? You remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Man, this is the 21st century. No one talks about obedience. Like, it's my liberty. Like, I choose what I do. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You don't know You don't know liberation. You don't know freedom. I call you to a path of obedience. Because Jesus' call to a path of obedience is a call to freedom, to liberation, to be truly human, as Tom Wright puts it. Because obedience to how Jesus longs for us to live is being shaped from that place of friendship, love, and being chosen causes us to live obediently to how he wants us to, which is all about what? Well, you can kind of drip it, sink it down to two things, two concepts. Jesus is teaching everything. He says, well, boil it down. What's it about? Loving God and loving people. To live obediently is to be truly human because we then get to live from a place of love. A loving God of saying, God, I want you to be the center of who I am and celebrate all of who you are through how I live. Of loving people of saying, as I have been loved, I now want to love others. 
unendingly, ceasingly, unceasingly, sacrificially. But it's not just obedience. Next stop, prayer, verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Remaining means asking. It means praying. Like at this point, you think, well, oh no, is Adrian about to tell us let's all get the Rolexes and Porsches? No, that's not what this isn't talking about. This isn't like kind of ask what you want and show how uh, much you're remaining in Jesus by your bank balance and the car you drive and the watch you wear. That has nothing to do with what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that actually in you remaining in me, you get more and more at one with the wonder of who I am, who the Father is and what we're about. And your prayer, your life becomes one of saying, Jesus, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let your rule and reign be revealed on earth as it is in heaven. And as you see that, you then become one who remains by praying and saying, actually, I'm not able to not do something here. I'm able to continuously ask, knowing your answer. Because what I'm asking is, Let more of your will, your rule and reign be seen in my life, in the world around me. Here's the deal, though. I think for me, why that doesn't happen is because I don't ask. I think it isn't because I'm fearful of, like, asking for the wrong things. I think it's so often I limit, like, what God can do. It's as though I kind of say, oh, it's okay, Jesus, I'll take it from here. I'm remaining in you. It's down to me now. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of make difference here. Whereas actually I think what Jesus is saying, no, no, <laughs> to remain in me is like to be a person of prayer. To know actually daily you need to come and just say, Jesus, would you cause more of your rule and reign to be revealed in these situations that I'm involved in, in my life, in these areas? Next one, pruning. Verse 2 The Father, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. The Father loves to prune you and to prune me in order that we'd be more fruitful. Like, we don't like talking about that. No one likes having stuff cut away. That's the invitation in remaining. But it's to be expectant, if you want to see more fruit in your life, and we're going to come on to look at the fruit, but if you want to see that, you need to expect, I need to expect, the Father is going to prune. And I'd say that's both a pruning in terms of things that are in my life that are not connected to the vine. Because the truth is, there's stuff that I allow my security and my satisfaction to be found in. That the father wants to say, no, no, don't allow that to be a source. It's only ever going to produce bad fruit. It's actually going to cause death. Therefore, allow me to prune that stuff away. That's painful. That's painful when I realize, oh, no, I'm still allowing what people think of me to shape how I live. Prune away. But it's also sometimes a pruning of things that we're doing that are fruitful. I haven't got time to look at this. I'll get you to contemplate a bit more. But sometimes I find that you have an area of your life and think, man, this just feels like it's so fruitful. Like what God's doing in and through me is just amazing. And God comes and just prunes it back. And it's like he's saying, 
Don't trust the method. Continue to remember the source. See, if we're not careful, because we're humans, we get to this quick thing of, of kind of independency. We think, oh yeah, I know how to get there. If I do X plus Y, it will always equal Z. And what God comes and does and says, no, 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 I don't want you to kind of trust in the method that if you do X plus Y, it always equals Z. I want you to understand that Z would only ever come about because of the source that is God. Therefore, it will come and prune away the X and Ys in order that we keep trusting in him to be producing the Zs. And then lastly, it's about verse 5, being sustained. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the danger is, we see this and think, okay, remaining is I've got to work hard. Now, it's the, <laughs> the secret to this is that we remain and get to live from a place, get to live in a way by understanding that it's Jesus by his spirit, by the Holy Spirit that allows us to live this way. Apart from him, we can do nothing that daily we're consistently coming and saying, Jesus, give me everything I need today to remain in you. So it's, remaining is about living from, remaining is about the way we live, and lastly, it's about living knowing. I look at two things. Firstly, living knowing is in verse 11. It's about joy. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. I love this, that as we remain, like, for me, it's like, surely that's enough. Like, I get to live from a place like that. I get to now have a purpose of living a life like this. And then Jesus says, oh, no, no, just understand that as you live this way, this is how your life will then be characterized. Joy. But not like any old joy, his joy. Like Gary Burge puts it like this, that it's about Jesus' supernatural joy and it's a substantial joy. He says we get to inherit not just Jesus' joy, but his capacity through the Spirit to enjoy God in the same manner. Like, that's mind-blowing that the joy we get to experience isn't something that you can understand earthly-like. It's one that is supernatural. It is Jesus' joy, but it's also a joy that is profound in respect to the fact that it is substantial, so much so that it cannot be contained with us. It will only ever flow out from us. That's the joy that we get to know, but also that we get to know fruit. Verse 16, I've appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. We get to live with an expectation that remaining will always produce fruit. But Jesus says, and he does this for a reason, he says lasting fruit. That word lasting is unending, it's eternal. And there's stuff that we get to produce that is produced through us that will last forever. And I'd say that fruit is inward and outward. In terms of the inward, it's that there is fruit that will be produced within us, remaining in Jesus, will be produced within who we are. They'll then start to come out of who we are, but it's something for us to be, enjoy, to be enjoyed. It's there in Galatians 5, 22, 23, of the Spirit coming and producing fruit 
Fruit of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that we get to live and know in the depth of our being. We looked at this last week, like, what does it mean for God to indwell in us? So it's this stuff. It gets to characterize our, our, our lives with his home. We get to live knowing fruit within us of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But it's only inward. It's also outward. That we get to cause others to be strengthened and encouraged to remain in the vine. That's part of the fruit. Like, you're here in order to encourage others to be strengthened to remain in the vine, to understand the wonder of where they get to live from and how they get to live, and all they then get to know. That's what you were here to do. I thought we paid you to do that, Adrian. Are you trying to get out some work? No, no, I'm trying to do my work. This is the point. My point is to ensure that I'm not needed. What a beautiful job description. Ensure that I'm no longer needed because we all get it that what we're here to do is what Jesus said, to go and make. Two people got it, to go and make. That's it, that's what we're here to do. We get to do that together. That's why we do small group, why we gather like this. So I'm here now today. I've arrived in order that I encourage and strengthen others to remain in the wonder of who Jesus is, to live from, to live with, and to know the life that he gives. But also, here's the exciting bit, we also get to draw others in. We get to be those that cause others who've not yet known the wonder of Jesus as the vine to come and taste and see how good he is and say, hey, you too can come. That's a lot of spit. You too can come and remain in this vine. The fruit we get to produce is this. People that you rub shoulders with that I never will. That Jesus has placed you there in order that you can reveal the wonder of who he is. Why? Because you're someone who's created to bear fruit. And part of that fruit is causing others to taste and see how good he is in order they can be drawn and crafted into the vine. In order they then too can become one who lives from, who lives with and knows this life. It's a bit of a whirlwind tour, isn't it? Remaining. Here's where I want us to kind of land in this moment. Jesus offers us life in full through a life of remaining. And the reality is that's like a machine gun kind of moment. When I was questioning, do I do this? It feels like I've turned the hose pipe on to full blast and just gone, drink, drink. And you're like, oh, drowning me. It's too much. It is too much. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point, the wonder of the life of Jesus? It's just too much. And then we get this life now and for eternity to just discover the wonder, the magnitude of it. And my hope is over the coming week, we're going to do that. We're going to start to plumb the depths of those, those dots, those headlines that allows us to see the wonder of it. But for this moment, what is it that God's drawing your attention to? I believe that he is. I believe that for some of us, he's drawing our attention to the fact of, are we 
understanding the place that we get to live from. Because if we don't get that, if we don't understand the place we get to live from, I can promise you the other stuff will never make sense. All that will happen is you'll live trying to make yourself something rather than understanding you already are. Or is it that God's drawing your attention to the way you live? Like, that's uncomfortable. Like, we know it, don't we? Some of us are like, oh, I I know it's the obedience thing. I can feel the secateurs, the pruning. I know there's this stuff that I try and hide. But the Father loves me too much to allow it to exist. He's made me to be fruitful and he's come to prune. Or maybe it's that God's drawing our attention to the reality we live knowing. Like Stephanie realized, man, I'm here to bear fruit. That's what I'm designed to do. Like I'm not designed to be barren. I'm not designed just to grow for the sake of growing. I'm here to bear fruit. Knowing joy, bear fruit within, bear fruit outside of me, causing others to be encouraged and strengthened. Now I thought that was what the professionals did. No, no, that's what I'm designed to do. Like when I get to my school playground tomorrow, when I enter my workplace, when I um, do my study, I suddenly realize that these people around me, when I'm on recovery, when I'm in my shop, whatever it is we do tomorrow or later today, we suddenly realize, oh, that's why I'm here, to bear fruit. What is it that God's drawing your attention to? Now, we were going to sing a song, but to be honest, I, I feel like we should pray that's, I just feel like God wouldn't, I just want to hand it to him. That's the reality. Some of you are thinking, do you really have a plan? It always feels like you're just making it up as you go along. No, no, they generally have a plan. I wonder, can we stand where we are, um, if you're able to? And just, once you've stood, if you close your eyes, camera people, I am going to stand, so it will make my head disappear. Um, if you're online, I'm going to ask you, can you stand where you are? in your room. Now, some of you are thinking, what are the people outside going to think? Who cares, man? They shouldn't be looking in your house. Because um, <laughs> why we stand is a way of just saying, yeah, I'm in. I'm here. I'm not just a passenger. And just having stood, I just want us to close our eyes and just maybe with our eyes closed, just in a moment, I just want us to consider something. And that's like, what is God bringing to your attention in this? What is God bringing to your attention? Is it where you live from? Is it the way you live? Is it the reality we live knowing? What is it of those three? I promise you it's one of them. And just where we are, I want us now to just a physical thing. I want us just to place our hands out and say, Jesus, I open myself to you. And I ask, would you come and meet me in the way that you are speaking to me?
Jesus, I thank you that you promise to be with us. I thank you are here now by your Holy Spirit. And I just pray, would you take the frailty of the words that I've spoken and would you produce the wonder and authority of the words that you speak? And I pray for us. I pray for those who are understanding that you are speaking to them about where they live from. I pray, would you begin to take deeper the reality of their identity in you? I pray, Jesus, where things around the world and around uh, them have just been kind of taking their gaze and thinking, I know your identity's here. I pray, would you come by your spirit and would you speak your words of life, your words of identity now? Jesus, I pray for those who are just knowing that you're drawing their attention to the way they live. Just for different ones of us knowing in that moment of obedience that we need to be living with. Of pruning that's needing to be happened. I pray, would you come now as only you can and would you begin to work in us? And I pray for those who just know that you're speaking about the reality we live knowing. I pray would you cause us to see ourselves and the situations you've placed us in fundamentally differently. I pray for some of us that as we kind of end in a moment, it's like we're going to suddenly realize that, ah, that's why I'm here. I want to go and talk to them and just encourage them and strengthen them. Like when we're online, like suddenly thinking, like, I I need to text that person. I need to jump on the chat and say that. Or maybe it's as we come into the context we, we generally find ourselves in with people who don't yet know Jesus. And we realize, oh, I'm here. That's why I'm here, to, to bear fruit. Fruit that's going to last. Let's ask Holy Spirit, seal what you're doing in us in order that we'd know more of the wonder of the life that you give us to remain in you, Jesus. Oh man, oh man.